Welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today I have Emma Van Grieken. Emma, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. I've, uh, yeah, we've been uh, trying to plan this one out for a bit and, uh, you know, schedules are crazy and all over the place and I'm glad we're finally here. Very excited. And I want to start off the interview with you telling us who Emma is, what you do now, and how you got here. Okay. Um, so right now I am a life coach. I mostly work with women to go into leadership, creativity, setting boundaries, and gaining communication skills. But I guess like going back as far as I can, I was in a really bad place towards the end of high school. I had just finished and I had a gap year in between because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I kind of realized at some point that I had kind of let my life be directed by other people. I was still very much hung up on what I thought other people wanted for me, other people's ideas of success and trying to make other people happy without really getting to know what I wanted. And so I started to explore a lot about self-development and at the time I was struggling with a medical condition and I got really obsessed with this idea of resiliency where even if everything is falling apart and going wrong, you can still rally and you can still climb and you can still make things work. And so going into university, I kind of took that mindset and I maybe took it a little bit too far because I got very stubborn. I became very independent and I actually reached a point where I couldn't pick a major. I had flip-flopped like six different times between history and English and psychology. But I finally started asking some professors like, hey, I'm in my third year and I have no idea what I want to take at university and I'm almost done. And every single one of them that I talked to, they said, just keep doing that as long as you can. Just follow whatever you find interesting. If there's not like a specific job that you want to do, just keep on trying to learn more about the people that you're around and the world and yourself. And so I did that. I ended up graduating with no major at all but all of my courses are in the liberal arts. So I'm a big fan of history, entrepreneurship, politics, philosophy, psychology, and English. Um, I'm a creative writer on the side. I'm currently in the process of doing a second draft of a creative book and yeah, working on my business full time. That's kind of where I'm at right now. I've got a dog and a husband and yeah, that's me. Awesome. See, I find that interesting, right? Like you got the same common story of everybody mm-hmm. else. So, you know, got to go to school, get a good education. And that seems to be the story everyone gets told, except yeah. you were able to realize that there was something wrong with that picture. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, like most people just sort of go through it, don't really think about it and either hate it or like it. And, you know, like your the advice you got was basically keep going. Well, yeah. obviously it's going to be keep going because they're collecting money off you. Yeah. I mean, you stop going to school, they're no longer pay- charging you. Yeah. So, I, oh. did, I did have some teachers like that where they had said, you know, stay in university as long as you can. And obviously at that point, it's like, okay, you're getting paid the longer I'm in university. So that makes sense. But I had, um, I had one really good mentor. He was one of my history professors. And he said, um, the biggest mistake that he sees people make after university is staying in university. And I thought that was that was really weird because he worked there. He was tenured and I wanted to know why. And he said he's watched so many people just treadmill their lives from going into their bachelor's to their master's to their Ph.D. And they're just unhappy and they know nothing about the world because they've just been in this university environment for so long. They have no people skills. And so, yeah, his advice was just just keep finding what you're interested in, whether it's university or not, and then pursue that no matter what someone says. 
which is logical, right? And, and that's the thing, right? Because like people do that all the time. I mean, I think people keep going to school as an excuse to not face responsibility, <laughs> right? Like it's just kind of ridiculous if you think about it. And then at the end of it, it's like, oh, I got loans to pay. Really? You don't yeah. say. <laughs> but kind of funny thing that I've noticed. So I, me and my husband, we have some friends from high school and many of them went to university and that's fine. They've learned a lot about themselves in the world. But a lot of them as well, they've gone and they've become like police officers or paramedics or skilled tradesmen. And they've been working full time for the past three years, making enough money to put a down payment on a house and have kids. And we've been reading books, which is there's value in both of those things. But it's just it's interesting how different the career paths can go, especially when so much like like my generation specifically has been told, go to university, don't go into the trades. But the trades are the ones where there's jobs right now. They're paying and. It's, it's interesting to look at the opportunities that are out there. Yeah, well, here's the thing, right? And this is what it comes down to. Believe it or not, it's not just your generation. So your generation is taking it more serious and, and is being more pressured to. But every generation has, has had the same damn message. Go to school, get a good education, and get a good job, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I, I grew up with the, hey, you know, you got to go to school. You don't want to be a plumber. Well, <laughs> uh, look at today's uh, salaries. Yeah, you do want to be a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you know, like, and, and, and it's just what ridiculous message, like thought of, are you happy? Um, are you going where you want in life? None of that mattered, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go do your job and you can think about that later. So yeah. when exactly would that be? So should you think about that when you're 50 or 60 and life is almost over? Is that when you should consider it? Like when you're so close to a pension, is that when you quit to do what you really want to do? You know what I mean? Like nobody has an explanation because they just want you to forget about it. You know what I mean? Forget about it and just do what you're told. Be yeah, that robot. Work for their mission while you're trading your time and your skill for the money. And the money's the thing that you use to buy more of the freedom that you want all along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and again, I mean, again, I, I, I'm not against education, but I mean, I really believe that a person should know what they want, mm -hmm. you know, before they go and do something they don't. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you know, like, I mean, like not every, every career at all needs an education. Like, you know, like, like you want to be a doctor or a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. You got to go to school. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you want to create art, when was the last time you became creative because you followed something a book said? Yeah. Right. Like it just doesn't make sense. And it's been programmed so much and it's usually the parents fear. It's not even the fear of the person doing it. The parents fear are being pushed upon the, the children yeah. And, you know, they're being set along this path really just to make their parents feel better. And going to what you were saying earlier, you found yourself trying to make other people happy and not yeah. yourself. Your parents want you to be secure. And that's like, that's something that's come up in my coaching program is a lot of the time it's, we find that we're following beliefs that aren't actually ours. It's, we've been told something all of our lives by our parents who love us very much and want to keep us safe. And so when you want to invest in something that's not really typical, like not go to university you want to invest in something a little more non-traditional. One of the first yeah. things a parent will say is, oh, how much is it going to cost? But they're happy to spend 30 years of their life saving for your college education fund. And it's not like, that's not even the real question. The question they're not, they're not, the question they're asking is how much is it going to cost? But the thing that they actually want to know is what value is this going to give you? What are you actually yeah. going to get this? How is this going to make your life more predictable and more free so that I don't have to worry about you? Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, even going into cost, right? Like yeah. you go and take something you don't want and something that does nothing for your career, 
Well, four years, what did it cost? Just say, even if it cost you $30,000, right? But it didn't cost you $30,000. It cost you the $30,000 plus the three years or four years of income that you could have been making. Yeah, and all the opportunities that you turned down because you were at one university in one town surrounded by a certain type of people. Right, and that's why I believe, again, I believe there's certain programs that require it. And But I believe a person should know what they're going into before yeah. they go into it. And if that means taking a couple of years off of after high school, take a couple of years off and learn it. Yeah, exactly. And we've got so much time. Like the, going back to the thing that my mentor had told me about treadmilling your life. From one <laughs> People get so caught up on this thing where it's, oh, I'm 18 years old and I have to know what I'm going to do. They're telling me that I have to go to university and I have to know where my whole future is going. And then you graduate and you freak out because you don't know what you're going to do. But we forget that like in every single moment of every single day, we're doing the things that we're going to do. And the future is going to be the direct consequence of whatever we're doing right now. So if all we're doing right now is stressing about where we're going to be in the future, then in the future, we're still going to be stressing about where we're going to be in the future. But if the stuff yeah. now is learning those leadership skills and we're actually becoming more resilient people, then whatever future we get is going to work out in our favor because we are the variable that doesn't change. We become that solid foundation for the future. For sure. Now, again, growing up, like you must have uh, had ideas of what you wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> and what you ended up is obviously not in the same spot. Yeah. So yeah. what did you think you were going to do growing up and how did that change? And like, what um, was the inspirations? I, I knew I wanted to be a mom when I was younger. I was always like, I was kind of like a second mom in my house. Both of my brothers were autistic. Um, and they're younger. So I'm the older sister. I have like the oldest child complex. And my dad was working about 60 hours a week every week. So it was really just me and my mom at home in a really stressful house. So for a long time, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And I that was one of the reasons that I took a gap year off in between high school and university, because I realized, okay, teaching is very much a caregiving service kind of job. And I've kind of done that my whole life without choosing to in my household. And I transitioned from wanting to be a teacher to wanting to be a PhD psychologist. And then I realized I did not want to be in academia that long. I didn't want someone constantly telling me what to do. I didn't want all of the regulation around it. I wanted more freedom. And so in a weird kind of way, I'm kind of doing both, like bringing together the psychology that I have from school and the English skills. I'm doing that in coaching, but not in the typical kind of environment. So I guess you could say, like, I'm doing something similar to what I thought I was going to do. Um, but yeah, definitely not the same thing. Going back even farther, though, like when you're a kid, you have infinite ideas about what you're going to do. Like I thought I was going to be a race car driver, a mom and a ballerina and a movie director, like all at the same time. Cause I was like, that's only four things. That's not that much to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like now were you told that as a youngster, were you told, you know, don't worry, you can do anything you want to, as long as you put your mind to it. No, no. I, I remember bringing that sheet of paper home and my mom's like, you can't be all of those things at once. You have to do so much professional training for it. It's going to take so long. And like kudos to my mom for being the most wonderful person on the planet. But at the same time, you're a kid and you hear something like that. And you're like, oh, I'm not I'm not qualified enough to do that. So I should let go of that dream. And there are, there are plenty of opportunities like that where we get told through our life, like you don't have that skill set. And we're not often told, here's how you build that skill set if you really want to do that. Right. Well, again, it goes back to what I've always said here is that um, you have two ways of looking at life. One is beware <laughs> or behold. Yes. But we're told to be safe and be yep. safe is followed by beware. 
Yeah, it's all about living in fear of the unknown and trying to rectify the uncertainty of the future and try to build this idea of control around ourselves. But like, there is no control because when you plan something for the future, it's not like a plan going to happen. It's something that you would like to happen. It's like having an intention, but it's always going to change because there's uncertainties that you're never going to see. There's things that you can never prepare yourself for. And if you're so stuck to this idea of your plan, then when something comes up, it's like, oh no, my whole plan is off the tracks. What am I going to do? Now everything's uncertain. I have to be anxious. I have to be scared. But if instead of a plan, you have just an intention of where you want your life to go, then when things go wrong, quote unquote, it's never wrong. It's always, okay, this is a new piece of the puzzle. I get to figure out what the lesson is here. I get to figure out what opportunity is here for me. And maybe the future doesn't look like I thought, but there's still really good opportunities in every single moment. Right. And that's very insightful. And uh, so, where, you know, how did you overcome the anxiety? Like, how, how did you know, you know, like to say, hey, let's put a pause here and, you know, just follow through and work things out? Because what you're talking about is problem solving. And most people don't think that way. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> uh, how did I overcome fear of the future? Is that the question? Pretty, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. Like, how did you come, uh, you know, like, how do you control that? Um, so I, I had really bad anemia when I was 18 years old. I don't absorb enough iron. I don't produce enough of it on my own. And I, I was depressed and anxious. I was diagnosed with a severe anxiety disorder when I was about seven years old, which from my understanding is very early to get a diagnosed for severe anxiety. Um, and I also, I have undiagnosed ADHD. There was a conversation with my doctor when I was small and because we didn't want medication, I didn't get that diagnosis. So I spent a lot of my life trying to understand myself in the context of illness, especially because my younger brothers were autistic. I knew that my dad was depressed with work. I knew that my mom was very anxious around the house. And so I tried to understand myself and my family and the world in the context of mental illness. And I think what really, for me, like was the straw that broke the camel's back that made me have to get over my fear of the future was I... I realized that my future was not going to look like anything that I wanted to be a part of. If I kept doing what I was doing, like I was in such a bad place and I had no idea how to ask for help, no idea how to talk to people. I didn't even know that my emotions were really something I could interact with until I was about 20 years old. I didn't know how to label them. I didn't know how to communicate my needs. I didn't know how to have non-confrontational communication. And I just got to the point where I was like, I'm about to start university in six months. I'm probably going to meet the guy that I'm going to marry there. I'm probably going to meet my lifetime community. And I wouldn't even want to be my friend right now. I was like, I don't, I don't want that to be my life. I need to do changes now. And so, yeah, for me, it was, I was really scared of getting out of my environment and I was scared of being sick because I was sick and I felt like I had no control. And so I would put on my sunglasses and my noise canceling headphones and in the snow, I would go out and I would run for an hour and a half. And I would just get alone. I would turn off my thoughts and I would just let myself exist and see how far I could push my body just to prove that I could do it. Because at that point, what I needed was just proof that I could. And if you're waiting for the confidence to tell you that you can, you're going to wait forever. So, yeah, I really just had to start getting out and, <laughs> and doing stuff. Well, the good news, congratulations. Yeah, Your uh, parents fucked you up just like everybody else. So you're normal like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, well, no, I'm not really. Like, that you know, sometimes out of love, 
you end yeah. up getting the wrong message, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's great. I mean, the, what's great is that you overcame everything. The fact that you realized that just waiting around for it wasn't going to do it. Yeah. You had to do something and you found ways to channel everything. So that's awesome. Thanks. So with that being said, why do what you're doing? Why coach? Why not uh, do something else? Like, I mean, obviously, it seems like entrepreneurship is something that was the natural step based mm -hmm. on everything we talked about here. Mm -hmm. But why coaching? Why not uh, something else? I love people. Um, I think I had said I might have said this earlier in the podcast, but I, I am a writer. I've been writing since I was like 12. My friend and I used to draw these giant maps of the towns and we'd plan like character profiles and stuff like that. But like, there's nothing I find more interesting than people. Like I can tell when I'm reading a book, how the author thinks about people. I can tell when I'm talking to just a person on the street, how they think about people. And I'm just, I'm a people person in general. I'm extremely social and extroverted and i like that moment where you can say something to someone and they realize that the answer has just been there all along and they just have been too close to the problem to see it and so a lot of the work that i do is really reflection so the way that i'll describe it to my husband or to my grandparents or someone who doesn't usually understand the kind of non-traditional work that i'm doing is let's say someone is in um someone's in their crime solving room and they've got pictures of everything everywhere. And I come along and I draw the red line to see how everything's connected. And then we point at the mill and we say, that's the problem. That's the source. That's where we have to go. So yeah, coaching is, it's very rewarding. It's very hard. Like starting a business is the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. It's difficult. And I did it in my first year of being married. My husband also started a business at the same time. So that was a whole different story. Um, but yeah, I like, I like helping people. I like seeing people grow. And at the end of the day, I think the more people that are taking radical responsibility for their own lives and understanding how to communicate better and be open, I think that's how we're going to end up creating a better world. For sure. Now, like you said, it is a very hard thing. And then when, with your husband starting a uh, business around the same time, yeah. uh, it must've felt like double the pressure because now the uncertainties on both sides of the family. Yeah. for lack of better description. Yeah. So with that being said, have you ever felt squeezed where you, you think woke up and just said, why am I doing this? I want to quit, but oh, yeah. you still keep yourself going, right? Absolutely. I felt like that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so, cool. yeah. Yeah. So like, tell us what was uh, your story? Like, what would you tell yourself when, uh, during those days and how'd you overcome it? Um, I'd say like the fundamental thing that I would do is not just try to push past it because there's there's ignoring a problem because you're scared of it and then there's trying to tell yourself that you're independent and you can do it and you can overcome that problem and that is still safety seeking in my mind that's still trying to avoid the problem and not look at it so let's say i wake up one morning and i'm just seriously in self-doubt and i'm thinking oh my goodness what am i doing i have no idea what i'm doing what if these things don't work out i should be doing x y and i start telling myself these stories i'll journal about it to get my thoughts out because I'm a very verbal person. I like to talk about what's going on. Um, and I'll do like my fundamental health care things. I'll go for a walk. I'll play with my dog. I will connect with my friends. I'll eat something healthy. And I think that is the part that we largely forget. A lot of the time we just live solely in our minds. And we think that if we just put our mind to it, we can do everything. And I have had so many experiences where that's just not true. You put your mind to something and it doesn't work. 
and you still have to make it work if it is what you truly want. And so, yeah, I'd say like connecting more to your body, connecting to your thoughts, being very mindful and making sure that your fundamental needs are met and not trying to push through the problem just to make it go away is, is definitely what I do when I'm having that kind of problem. Right. That makes sense. Love that answer. So with that being said, now I'm sure they're like, how, like, I'm sure your day to day, like, is it like random or do you have it planned out, scheduled? Like, how does your typical week look? Typically, I, I'll take the weekends off because that's when I want to hang out with my husband. That's when I want to go to church and I do want to give myself time off. I try really hard to not work past four or five o'clock because I love what I do. And so there are times where I've just started in the morning and then suddenly it's 10 o'clock at night. Um, but yeah, I'll try to, sorry, I just got a call, turn that off. I try to usually theme my days. So Monday is always, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to plan my day hour to hour, just so I know if I'm falling behind or if I'm on track. Um, for the most part, I'm at a point now where I can let it be pretty random. It finds its own schedule. When I was just getting started though, Mondays were always, I was doing outreach and business development, making sure my mindset was good. My marketing, my sales were good. Tuesdays were, I was building my program, doing content. Wednesdays, the same. Thursdays, I would do client calls. And then Friday, I would call like my fun Friday, where I would just pick up the slack on anything I wasn't doing. But I'm at the point now where as long as I'm doing my morning routine and I feel good, I wake up and I, I know intuitively what I have to do for that day to make myself in a better position for tomorrow. Well, that's awesome. Okay. So, but yeah, you started off with structure. Yeah, so. I like to have some structure for sure. Definitely. Now, what does, um, like, how do you prospect? How do you find clients? Like, do they come to you? Is it part of your marketing program or do you reach out? Who do you find uh, to be mostly, the, you know, define your uh, clientele, basically? Yeah. So I found that the majority of people that I'll work with are extremely creative people. They're really ambitious. Um, I haven't really worked with people who feel super stuck. Everyone I've worked with has been at a spot where they see what they what they're capable of. And they know that there's so much more for them in life than just what they're doing right now. But there are just a couple of those mindset things where they're stuck. So like the beliefs that we were talking about before, where maybe they're living by something that someone else has told them and they don't really know how to get around that or they don't have good routines to actually support the kind of life they want to be creating. Um, but overall, they're pretty entrepreneurial people. Like uh, I had one who was a journalist, pastry chef, Montessori teacher. And yeah, it's, it's interesting in that kind of way because I see a mirror of myself in every single person that I work with. And then that just goes back to before, like, why do you do, why do you do what you do? It's, it's nice getting to know people as well. Right. See, and I love how you said that you see a mirror of yourself. So you're yeah. basically working with people that you can relate to. Yeah. And, and that, which also means basically means not everybody is for you. Oh, absolutely not. No, not everyone. Right. And I'm not for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, right? So how have, I'm sure you come across people that you know is just not a good fit. Mm -hmm. And how do you figure that out? And, uh, you know, what do you do in those circumstances? So I'll usually be able to tell that someone's not a good fit if they're very much in this mentality of wanting to hold on to the problem that they're going through. I've had a couple conversations where I'm talking to someone and we're trying to work towards solutions and they'll start to move in the direction of giving themselves a solution of seeing what's wrong. And then they'll either just flat out say like, I'm just not ready to do that. Or they'll say that's too big of a change. 
And for me, that usually tells me that that person is at a spot where they need to sit a little bit more with their own emotions and try to understand what they're going through and what's actually valuable to them before they're ready to really commit to a lifestyle change. Because sometimes a lifestyle change in a one-on-one coaching program is, you know, maybe you need a really good morning routine and you need better self-care habits. But sometimes it might look like you need to completely drop a relationship or you need to move out of your house because it's not a good environment. And so I'd say like the fundamental thing is you can't like you can't come to a program not ready to make changes. You have to know that there's going to be changes happening. For sure. So obviously every business comes with uh, the need to have hard conversations sometimes. Absolutely. So that's awesome. Now, everybody, I believe, has the ups and downs. And you've illustrated that you've had the ups and downs in business and everything. But I also believe that most people have this moment, which I call that aha moment, where it's like all that doubts and fears and worry just come to a halt. And you're just like, you know what? I know it's not going to be easy. But aha, I'm where I'm supposed to be. This is working. And I know I'm doing the right thing. I've just got to grow from here. What was that aha moment for you? I So two of them come to mind. One of them was the business development program that I had been looking at. I've been eyeballing for two years. And when I finally decided to commit to it, it was actually the last round that was being run. And I didn't know that at the time that I committed to it. Um, And since I decided to join that program, because my business has unfolded what it did, it's ended up changing my husband and I's living plans. It's changed the jobs that we were going to do this summer. And so that for me is very much a reminder constantly. Like I had no idea that that was the very last round and I definitely needed to start the business. So anything that's unfolding from the business right now is in line with where I want to go, because I know that joining the program and starting my business was something I needed to do. But the second aha moment that I had, I actually had pretty recently. Um, When I was starting the first round of the program, there was something I was obsessed with. And I thought, I definitely want to have a group element. I want there to be a community in the coaching program. What if I only get one client? What would I do then? And I was so hung up on that, that I couldn't see that the easy solution was, if there's a group, we'll do a group. And if it's just one on one, that person just gets a lot of attention. Like, it gets to be so simple and the answer was so simple all along, but I was just making it so much bigger of a problem in my head than it needed to be because our head just likes to, like it likes to invent problems and then try to problem solve. So, so often we just see problems that aren't even there, but yeah, that was a big aha moment I had pretty recently. Yeah. Well, you know what? I related to something in what you just said there. If, you, if you'll indulge me on this. Yeah. Now, when I started my coaching business, I went through kind of a similar thing. And what ended up happening is that I had two options, one-on-one and I had group coaching. Now in the first month, everything was all over the place. It's like, I couldn't get a grasp on anything. And I'm sitting there going, man, I'm supposed to be coaching these people. And it's like, they're swinging me like a ping pong ball. Like It's just not happening. Right. Like I go, what am I doing wrong? Right. Like, like I came out of a coaching program. I learned a lot from that. I mean, like, I know my message is right, you know, like, and I'm sitting there going, and it's like, you know, okay, you know what? Everyone's, nobody can make a decision here, whatever. I'm giving too many options. I'm going to narrow down. I'm going to start my group coaching thing for 47 bucks. And then people are calling me up and saying, okay, you could, I go, you can do the one-on-one coaching or you can join the group coaching. I go, you know, like, and the group coaching is 47 bucks, but it's like, the more I tried to sell the group coaching, I had the same fears and everything. 
and I kept yeah. flopping. So it ended up with, I got 10 people who called me for group coaching. Not one of them signed up for group coaching, but they signed up for one-on-one. -on -one. And I'm like sitting there going like polar opposite. That's pretty so I was like, <laughs> it was weird, right? But like, I, I figured out the, 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 you know what it is? Nobody wants to be the first. Yeah. Right. So, and then when all of a sudden, when it seems like, uh, yeah, nobody wants to be the first. And then at the same time that I guess when you're not confident and you're just sitting there going all over, like they can sense that. Yeah. So like, it's like, you know what? It starts off like, oh, I love the fact that everybody can interact and group coaching and goes to the, well, I get the attention I need. And I'm sitting there going like, okay, <laughs> you could, right? Like group coaching. I think group coaching is great. Like for me, I use group coaching Yeah. for those who want a little bit of help, but aren't ready to commit to full one-on-one. -on -one. Right. And the community is also a really good aspect in group because the forefront is the community or as one on one, the forefront is like laser focus. What do you need to work on? Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of experienced what you were talking about, but mine went through the fears. But it's almost like my sales pitch is sell group coaching. They'll sign one on one. Stop. You know, don't worry. Don't even try to sell the one on one because the group coaching will get them there. <laughs> I mean, I've worked out my systems, obviously, now, but it's like, holy moly. It, it's the whole, uh, you know, building phase of every business, right? Trying to figure things out and, and, and getting your system into place. Yeah, it's quite the experience for sure. Definitely. So now. Has there been a moment in your business where you started something and realized that you were off base, so you either pivot or you drop a platform? Not drop a platform, but there was something that I learned a couple months ago. So I was being told, if you want to try selling something, if you want to go in a little bit of a different direction with your coaching and you want to teach something different, just do it and see what happens. So. I tried probably like two or three things that I was marketing, I was showing up for, and it just didn't land, whether that was where my energy was at and how I was showing up for it, or it was just my clientele wasn't ready for it. But at the same time, like, that's not a failure. That's, I tried to do something. I learned a lesson. Okay, well, two things didn't work. Odds are the next thing will, or the next thing will. Because the more you keep trying, eventually something has to work. For sure. Well, here's the thing, right? So many people are afraid of failure that nobody realizes that you have to fail many times yeah. to get the, uh, you know, the secret sauce for a lack of a better description. Yeah. And I mean, uh, almost any entrepreneur, even the very successful people we uh, know of, if you ask them, they'll tell you they failed many times before they found the formula. Yeah. All right. So it's just part of it, but yet so many people are afraid of failure. Yeah. Cause failure is uncertain. It's like if someone said, I want to be a painter. I want to quit my corporate job tomorrow and I want to be a painter. Okay, why don't you do that? I'm scared I won't make money. I'm scared I won't be successful. Well, if you were absolutely certain that you were going to be successful, would you do it? Well, yeah. Okay, well, then that tells you a little bit more. Like, if you were absolutely going to be successful and if you knew that you would go in that direction, then maybe there are variables in your life right now that you can control for and you can try to go a little bit more in that direction without the fear. True. So let me ask you something. I mean, obviously, um, how long ago have you been in the business so far? I've been doing coaching since October of last year. Of last year, so 2021. So you actually started basically damn smack in the middle of the uh, pandemic. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I was gonna because I was gonna ask you how was business before and after. How, but obviously you wouldn't know. You started during. So see where the, where I'm going with this is you found opportunity in in, in turbulent times. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So. 
honestly, what kind of started the business was I was in my last year of university and I got a job working remote so I could do it out of my apartment. And I started doing that full time while I was finishing up three of my university courses. And then we would be done our work in our team. And I would ask my boss, is there any other work that I can do for another team? And she'd say, if you're done your work, honestly, just focus on building a skill that you want to bring to a new job. Hop on Skillshare, hop on YouTube, start learning some stuff. And I thought, well, okay, well, the skill that I want to bring to my next job is my own job. I want to make that. And so that's when I started writing the coaching program. So it's actually, it's been a work in progress for about a year and a half, but I was doing, I was doing the remote job. I was doing my school and I just got that really small opportunity of start building a skill that you want to bring to your next job. And I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll just keep writing. I'll just keep writing it and see where it goes. Right. So obviously you're not working that job anymore. No. When did that end? Like, how, like what was the transition like? It was from January until early April of 2021. So it actually ended right before my exams. The transition was seamless. It was great. I did my exams. It was fantastic. But then like something really hilarious actually happened. So all through university, my thing was, I just want someone to tell me what to do. I don't want to be confused. I don't want to make a choice. I just want to know what I'm going to do in the future. Like life would be so much better if I just knew. And I had decided before the end of university that, the year after I graduated, I would take to try and build my own business. And I was certain that I wanted to do that. I want to publish a book. I want to build a coaching program. And then pretty much right after I decided that, I got uh, scouted by a talent scout looking for a copywriter, someone to start working in a marketing department. And it was going to be like a $45,000 a year job, very comfortable benefits, my own office, like a gym. And I was like, wait a second. I wanted this literally all through university. And now that I've decided to do my own thing, here it comes. And someone's like, here's a really good opportunity that's too good to refuse. And I was like, I'm going to respectfully still refuse it because I want to take a bet on myself. And all through university, I was excited to work on my own project. So the, the transition was, was interesting in that regard. I, I turned down something that could have been like a beautiful, really good opportunity, but it just, it wasn't the one for me. Well, that's incredible because sometimes when things like that happen, it's easy to get, you know, distracted and uh, swayed. Yeah. Right. So, which is great in a way, because it, go, it goes to show that when you really want to focus on something in a way you can manifest it into happening. Yeah. Right. And, and it goes back to what you just said about mindset, right? Like look how powerful mindset can be. Yeah. Right. Like that, that's an incredible story, right? Like, like I, I don't know many people, I know a lot of people would be uh, torn with that decision. It's a hard choice. I think like, honestly, a big part of it as well was it would have meant that I couldn't go tree planting and tree planting was the summer job that I really wanted to do. Do you know anyone who's gone tree planting? No, I've never even uh, realized okay. that was an opportunity. Yeah. So you have, um, you have two large bags about the size of a grocery bag attached to your hips with basically a car seat belt buckle. And then you've got high vis straps over your shoulders you have these small saplings at each of your hips. You've got a little metal shovel and you're just planting as many trees as you can in the remote Canadian forest. And so um, I think, I don't know which forests I've been in both times, but my first year I was actually up in Thunder Bay. And then last year I was in Alberta, but basically you live in a remote camp in a tent, no indoor plumbing, um, sometimes no hot water. 
you don't have any cell service and you live in basically like this little commune with 50 other people and you see no one else for like three months, you just become the forest. Um, but that was actually one of my experiences where I would set my mind to something and I couldn't do it. Before I had gone tree planting, my mindset was if I set my mind to something, I'll be able to do it. And then I realized I don't know how to navigate. I've never done this job before. My body has never been in this much pain. This is an intense labor job. It's 52 degrees outside. It rains on me and it gets down to negative four. And I remember one day I just like, I threw down my shovel and I cried. And my boss came over to me and he said, what's, what's eating you up today? And I said, I feel like I can't do this. I feel like I should go home. Everyone else is doing better at me. And he says, that's a lie that you're telling yourself. And I'm not going to indulge you in that because you can do better. You just got to practice. Wow. That, there's a there's a lesson right there. Like, That's wow. Yeah, you know, like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like so I've never heard of that before. That I'm glad you, you know, let me know about it. I mean, like, this is something new to me. Yeah, it's insane. It's, it's a really good opportunity for kids in university because you just it's it's peace work. So the more that you plant and the more that you can plant like good, trustworthy trees, the more money you can make. Like your first year is usually a write-off just because there's such a big learning curve. But there are people who've been doing it for like three, four, five, seven, twenty years, and you can leave a summer contract with like twenty thousand dollars in your pocket, which isn't bad. It isn't bad. Not for like for sixty days of work, that's not bad at all. Well, exactly. I mean, like, look, your the job offer you just said was uh, forty five grand. Yep. So you basically made almost half. Yep. And basically, you know, in in sixty days. Right. Versus having to work six months for that half. Exactly. And you're outside listening to your own music. Every yeah. <laughs> but how did you come across that? Like, where did you discover this? And like, what was the motivation to even do it? I uh, mean, besides the money. So my husband's friend had a friend who did it. And that's usually how you hear about it is you have a friend of a friend of a friend who does tree planting. And he brought my husband Harrison in Harrison's first year. And I was working at a restaurant. So we spent the summer apart. So obviously when Harrison wanted to go back, that was a big motivation for me. I didn't want to be without him for the summer because we only got to talk for like one hour every Saturday, which is the most long distance I've ever done. Um, but yeah, I wanted to go because he said, it's hard work. You're ambitious. You're a hardworking person. We can be together for the summer. Let's go. And I thought, okay, I've never really done camping before, but this will be a new experience. And I really like new novel experiences. I am the kind of person I get really bored easily. I can't do something if it's not fun. So in any kind of way I can make stuff fun. Um, but yeah, I wanted, I wanted to make money and I wanted to work hard and I wanted to travel. So yeah, that's kind of how I got started with that. Yeah. Well, that's pretty interesting. Right? I, I, like I said, I just learned that even existed. I didn't even know what that was. So now you can tell a young person, you know, <laughs> yeah exactly that's awesome i didn't have that kind of stuff or i didn't know about that stuff when i grew up like yeah. when i like you know so that's interesting and it's interesting how you said alberta considering they're the ones who had the forest fires right but yeah. oh that was crazy there was um yeah there was a time last season we had to take a week off because it was so hot that the nursery's trees couldn't keep up uh so we ran out of trees for a bit but there were forest fires everywhere we had like one meeting a week talking about Hey, just so you guys know, in the middle of the night, if you hear the horn, it's because we're evacuating camp because there's a fire nearby. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it was a little spooky. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. 
So is this something you do again, like if it comes up or is it sort of you had your your moment, you had your fun time to move on? I would definitely do it again. So I've done it two years in a row. Um, We were going to do it this summer, like I said, but the way things unfolded, like we just wanted to focus on life around here. We want to figure out a new place to live. I want to keep running with my business. I definitely want to do it again because it's a really good break from society, from social media, just to be very present with yourself. Because like you'll never be in a more present meditative state than when you're doing a hard labor thing that you can't leave. Um, but yeah, like ideally in an ideal situation next year, I would get a sprinter van. I would do the tree plant like that because the van is definitely better than a tent. And I'd probably do a road trip across Canada and the United States after. I definitely want to do van life for a little bit. Well, that's pretty interesting. Now, let me ask you something here, right? Like it's with this being said, like, I mean, like, you mentioned Sudbury, you mentioned Alberta. So uh, I'm at the point that I'm going, okay, well, I know you live somewhere between Sudbury and Alberta. <laughs> it's like. Big range. I'm in, uh, I'm in Dunville, Ontario right now, but we're looking at places in Oakville. You're, you're kidding me. Why? Are you nearby? Wow. I, I'm in Grimsby, Ontario. Oh, wow. Um, and my, and my niece is in uh, Brantford and I've been to Dunville because she's uh, taught in a school in Dunville where I drove her there. That's fun. Back in the past. So, wow. Like, I, I didn't realize you were that close. Like, Pretty that's mind. interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Now, what I want to ask you is, I'm sure you come across a lot of people who, um, I mean, especially in the business you're in, people can be uh, searching for themselves and stuff, right? Yeah. Now, we have that person who wants to take a leap and get into entrepreneurship, but they're a little bit nervous, what would you say to an aspiring entrepreneur that, entrepreneur that has a hesitation? I would say read a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. He basically debunks this hypothesis that he calls the passion hypothesis, which is this advice that's in the self-development world that you should just do whatever makes you happy and you should follow your passion, quit your job no matter what. His idea is basically, nope. There are things that you have to know before you do that. You have to know if you can financially sustain yourself while you're trying to lift your business off the ground because it takes time, it takes money, even if you have no overhead. Um, he also goes into, you have to understand if, you're, if your clientele is ready, you have to know who you're serving. And that is like a big mistake that I see even in some businesses that have been around for a while. Like one of the first things I learned was if you don't have clients that are interested and actually need the thing that you're trying to sell, you don't have a business. And so what I would tell a young entrepreneur is don't get focused on what it is that you want to sell. Find out who you want to serve and actually figure out what they need and then adapt your business plan around that. Because the more you can build your business plan around a customer market that you're actually excited to serve, the more you're open to actually meeting their needs instead of just trying to say, this is my business. How can I sell it? It's these are the people I like to work with and who I resonate with and who I can connect to. What do they need me to serve? Is that something that I'm skilled at? And how can I do it in a way that they'll like? Love that answer. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do now is just ask you one more question and then get into a fun lightning round. Ooh, okay. So the last question, are you ready for it? How do people find you online? Mm, they find me on Instagram. My handle is at Emma Van Grieken, so that's E-M-M-A underscore V-A-N-G-R-I-E-K-E-N. Awesome. Now let's get into the lightning round with all the fun questions. Yes, 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 yes. So 
Question number one is going to be favorite food and why? Ooh, um, probably lasagna because you can make it classic. You can make it healthy. It's a nice comfort food and it's warm and delicious. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> like, okay, I like that one. I, I've never made lasagna. I mean, I usually, I'm, my mom used to make it all the time, but I don't know how to make it. I make lasagna and then I didn't have noodles one day, but I wanted something like lasagna. So I just took a bunch of beans and vegetables and then threw it in a lasagna pan with some tomato sauce over it and then breadcrumbs on the top. And it was delicious. And it took me like 15 minutes. Well, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Favorite travel spot and why? Or vacation? Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, I'm trying to think. I've been a couple different places. The top of Tripoli Mountain in Alberta is the thing that comes to my mind because we did a seven-hour hike up there, and it was fun, and it was dangerous. <laughs> yeah, so somewhere, on a, somewhere on a mountain, somewhere up high. So you like thrills, and uh, and you like to be outdoor. You're an outdoorsy person. I'm a very outdoorsy person. Yeah, if I could live, yeah. out, I have lived outside. I was gonna say if I could live outside, I would. I've done that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So I picked that up. Picked that up right away. Yeah. Um, favorite uh, music or artist? Ooh, um, I like indie music and alternative. So I like Kings of Convenience, Nova Amore, and Lord Huron. Interesting. Uh, favorite podcast? Ooh. I actually, I, I've been listening to Alan Watts lectures more than any podcast recently. Interesting. What yeah. was the inspiration there? Um, I honestly don't remember how I found Alan Watts videos, but I find it really peaceful to just put on some headphones sometimes and then sit in like a meditative pose and then just listen to him tell me that the universe is all an illusion. I find it very peaceful. <laughs> Weird That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what was I going to say now? <laughs> Sorry, wow. that one got me laughing. Um, <laughs> favorite hobby? Ooh, I like to do yoga and I like to do spin biking. Oh, okay. Spin bike. Okay. I haven't heard that one in a while. Yeah, it's fun. Um, do you read? If so, what, what's your favorite book? I do like to read. I like fiction. I like fantasy or sci-fi. There's one that I'm reading right now called The Humans by Matt Haig, and I have never laughed out loud in a book more than I have with that one. Wow, that sounds really fun. A funny book. <laughs> yeah. like And lastly, but not least, okay. if you had unlimited amount of money and you can do whatever you want in life... Oh. What would that life look like? I would get a really big piece of property and I would build like a multi-day indoor jungle gym, like kind of like the old school McDonald's play places, but it would be like an adventure building thing. So you'd have to sign up with a team and there would be multiple camping spots and there'd be obstacles. And if a teammate couldn't cross one, you would have to help them get past that obstacle. And that would just be like this fun adventure building kind of activity. There'd be high ropes, there'd be all sorts of obstacles. Um, but there would also be a community center on that property. It would have a swimming pool and it would have the whole back of the rec center would be an art wall. And basically we would go and we would find at-risk kids that had art skills and they would do graffiti and we'd hire them and pay them for the summer. So we'd make a job that way. Camp counselors for uh, the summer pool. We'd have people come play on the playgrounds and stuff. It would have an organic grocery store in it and also a reading nook with like a smoothie bar little date center with a gym and also a daycare. Cause if you're a young couple and you have kids, you want to go somewhere where you can do all of that stuff and also leave your kids off somewhere. 
Um, and then, yeah, we do community workshops and programs and stuff. So if I had an unlimited amount of money, I would basically just build my own town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. I've got one last serious question. Okay. And that's going to be, how would you define a successful day? Ooh, um, a day where I did the best that I could, connected with the people that I loved and set myself up for a better day tomorrow. That's awesome. I want to say thanks for being on the podcast. This has been yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was so fun. So yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we got to keep in touch. I mean, I, I, I love your, I love your story, man. Like it's just, it's, it's incredible. And it's like, I can see you like to get out there and just follow your dreams, chase what you want. And you know, I mean, you're not letting anything stopping you from doing it. So that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, awesome. If you like what you saw and you want to see more, subscribe to the link below.